Good morning. Good to see all some of the visitors I haven't seen in a while, especially my kids. Good to see you guys. Um, we're going to start a, a new book, um, a series of messages from the book of Titus. But uh, before we go there, I just want to kind of get an introduction before we jump into Titus here. Um, yeah, I looked over my career uh, the last 40 years at Safeway. Um, as some of you know, I retired from Safeway. And I um, was thinking about a time when I was asked by one of the vice presidents to take over a, a group there at Safeway. And I knew of this group that he wanted me to put me in charge of. I was somewhat uncertain about going there because there was a lot of problems with it. And, um, but he asked and I said, okay, well, let me hear what you have to say. I said, I'm, I'm very fine. I'm in my comfort level where I'm at right now. <clears throat> but um, I'll listen to you. And so um, at, in those days, uh, I know Angela, you know Ron Parmley. Ron Parmley was the one who talked to me about this. And so we had lunch and as we were sitting there, he was kind of telling me about this particular group and some of the issues that he wanted to get straightened out. And some of the issues were um, difficult issues. They were people issues. And of course, when you're dealing with people issues, those are sometimes the hardest things to deal with. You know, a technical issue, well, you can open up the book, up a book, or get on the internet, find out a solution. But it's not so easy when you're working with people. It's a little more difficult. So Ron uh, went on to say, you know, we have uh, somewhat of a problem with several people in the group. Uh, they do different functions. They're just not organized. They're not connected. They're not working well together. Um, you also have a problem there with a couple people that just aren't giving their all. They're just not working as hard as they should be working. And I, as he kept going on, I started to think, uh, do I really want this? Do I really want to take on that responsibility? And I don't know if any of you have been in that similar situation where you're asked to do something, you're given a responsibility, uh, asked to get, do a responsibility, but you're uncertain of it because you don't want to get involved. And as we begin to talk more about the issues there, it was kind of intriguing to me saying, yeah, I can do it. I'm willing to do this and to take it on because it would make a difference if we could get this department corrected, all the issues in the department corrected. So I said, okay, I'll take it on. Reluctantly, and you know, part of me was saying, nah, you really don't want to take this on, especially with the people issues because I knew some of the people in the group they weren't the easiest people to work with. But it worked. We got it. We got it working. Uh, Luke, can you bring up a, a slide here? Start on the... Our series of studies that we're going to look at is in the book of Titus. And Titus, um, the letter to Titus was centered around what was going on in a place called Crete. Everybody hear about Crete? Small island, it's in the Mediterranean, it's about 150 miles long. You can see it here on the bottom here. Um, it's about 30 miles wide at the widest point. 
But there's a lot of issues in Crete. Next slide, please. There's a lot of problems there. Here is a modern day uh, photographs of Crete, very beautiful place. Uh, but behind the walls, there was problems. Inside the houses, there were problems going on. If you were to look at headlines, we see a lot of headlines in the paper today, um, especially in view of what's going on in Dallas and such. Lots going on. If you look at some of these, these are some of the news headlines. I've taken some of the wording out. But see, these are some of the news headlines of things going on in the world. And this happened to be um, in a country that I'm very familiar with. But um, you know, they had work issues. They had pork barrel schemes you know, where people were laundering money. They were filtering off money that belonged to the people and the government and putting it in their own pockets. There was a lot of um, corruption going on. You see here corruption. I just came from the Philippines. The Philippines is just filled with corruption. I think you got the same thing in Brazil, don't you? Lots of corruption in Brazil. Look at the news headlines. What's it dated? 2016. More. We had fraud. People are being overcharged, cheated. Again, look at the dates. 2016. But then, here we have Crete. It was suffering from a moral collapse. Immorality, lying, stealing. Lots were going on in this island. It was going to be a challenge for anyone who was sent there to, to minister to the saints and to share the gospel to see people saved. It was not going to be an easy task. Now, if you had seen those headlines here and somebody came to you and said, um, Matt, we want you to go to Crete. And can you go Monday? You would kind of take second thought as to whether you wanted to take on that challenge. It was a difficult situation in Crete. The setting was like this. Paul wrote this letter of Titus to his close friend and associate, Titus. And they were close. He was a son. Paul led him to the Lord. And Titus reminded, or Titus was going to be asked to go to Crete to straighten out some of the issues that were left unfinished by Paul. Mainly to raise up leaders. There was a young church there. They needed to raise up elders, leaders of the church, and to appoint them in each town in Crete, in Crete. And also, he was to put to silence those who rejected the truth. Now, as far as we know, Paul did not found the church there, but it was clear that he, when he went to Crete to organize and strengthen the churches and put them on a sound doctrinal foundation. That was the point to put them on a sound doctrinal foundation. It was a young church, but it needed leadership. Titus had accompanied Paul, but he was left behind to complete the task that Paul set out. The conditions in Crete were challenging. 
and it required a leader of great conviction, one with strong moral character because of the various groups like the Judaizers who tried to teach that before Gentiles could become Christians, they had to become Jews to be circumcised. Titus ref would refute that error, and he would encourage all the Christians to stand firm in the doctrinal truths that, were, that they were taught. There were other groups there in Crete as well, being that it was part of Greece. There was a lot of weird stuff going on there. You know, they had um, lots of uh, philosophies and genealogies and, and controversies over Greek theology, Greek mythology. Um, but he was sent there to correct some of these beliefs. Now, does that sound familiar to you? You know, are you around people that when they say something to you about something about Christianity, about Christ, about salvation, and it's not quite right, they have this twisted idea of what it's about? I've seen that often. I think many of you in this room have corrected those who have a false view of the road to salvation, false view of who Christ is, a false view of who God is, but yet you were there to bring forth the truth. Well, as we see in Crete at this time, the Cretans were known to be liars. And you'll see that in Titus as we begin to go through Titus. They're known as liars. They were known to take the low road of deceit, immorality, and ungodliness. And in this letter, Paul wrote this situation about this situation and set forth clearly his purpose to raise up leaders and to help the church grow in faith and to grow in the knowledge of the truth so that they could live more godly lives. Now, we just got through going through Titus, or Timothy 1, Timothy 2, and you learned a lot about doctrine, but you see in Titus, it's a little bit different here. Now you see doctrine, you'll see doctrine, but you'll also see the people there challenged to live godly lives now, to live the godly lives, to have sound doctrine in their lives, to lead to godliness. So here we have Paul, who entrusted his young associate, Titus, with the task of bringing the churches in Crete in line with New Testament principles, doctrine, and to walk soundly in their Christian walk. Now, just remember that, to walk soundly in their Christian walk. That's the effort here, as well as to raise up new leaders. Well, Titus would influence the people in Crete through his role as a disciple and as a leader. And some of the key leadership qualities needed for success would be many. And I thought I'd just give some thoughts here about leadership, how important leadership is. It's necessary for one to have honesty. In order to work with folks, you need to be transparent and honest with, with people. Honest from the word of God. Honest about who you are. Honest about the discussion that you're talking to them about is very important. Honesty is very important because if you don't trust someone, will you listen? Have you ever heard of 
or known of someone that you've had encountered with that, that has lied to you? And as a result, just you can't believe them when they say the truth. You're not sure whether they're lying or they're telling the truth. We see that with kids, don't we? Boy, what happens when your child lies to you the first time? Ah, it's terrible. Because when you want to defend them, and they're saying, I'm telling the truth, I'm telling the truth, Dad, Mom, I'm telling the truth, you want to believe them, and you want to defend them, but if there was an occasion where they had lied in the past, you begin to have doubts, right? So it's very important to have honesty as a leader so that they will trust what you have to say. We have to be held to a higher standard. We are held to a God standard. That's his standard for honesty. Titus was going to be responsible for raising up leaders across all the cities in Crete. And those leaders would be a reflection of Titus. And you know, Titus was a reflection of Paul as well. They lived godly lives. They could be trusted. And it's a godly behavior, it's a key behavior that would influence those in Crete. The next is to delegate. Oftentimes, we're given responsibilities and we kind of take on that responsibility ourselves. I kind of thought about this as I was reading through Titus. You know, it's amazing how Paul, he delegates. You know, the Lord saved him, called him out to bring forth the gospel, and... Those men he influenced and, and raised up as leaders, boy, he delegated to them. He took them on missionary trips with them, put them to work. And here he did the same with Titus. He learned how to d delegate, to bring others, uh, to bring order amongst the church and to instill sound doctrine in the church. So important to instill that sound doctrine and to bring order. And Titus' challenge as any leader is to identify the strengths of the body, the weaknesses, the moral and spiritual issues, and to set a plan in place to establish a strong and healthy church. Next quality here is communication. Knowing what needs to be accomplished is so important. Being able to clearly is succinctly describe what's needed to be done. And this is what Paul did to the letter of Titus, very clear as to what needed to be done to follow up the work that Paul started. And he was using his, his faithful associate Titus to do this work. But Titus would be faced again with much opposition due to the Judaizers as well as the Greeks. It was not going to be an easy task. but he was ready to defend the gospel and New Testament doctrinal truths. Another quality is to have confidence. You know, and, it, and it's a confidence not in yourself, but confidence that God will work through you. You know, it's a wonderful thing, you know. This is an earthly vessel, an earthen vessel, isn't it? And in this vessel is what? God's word. God will work through us what's in this earthen vessel. And it will bring the power of the word into those people's lives that need to hear it. Titus was going to be held close 
was held close to the New, Do New Testament doctrinal truths and walked in the confidence in Christ. That was his confidence in the Lord, not himself, but in the Lord. And that's what we should do as well. We walk in confidence in the Lord and what we know and what's in our heart. Another one is commitment. Paul and Titus, they were committed to the work of the Lord. Committed. It just wasn't a casual commitment, just like when Ron Parmley, my old boss, asked me to take on this, this, this new uh, position, this new role. It was a commitment on my part, and it had to be a wholehearted commitment. It couldn't be a half-baked commitment, but wholehearted. There's no greater motivation than seeing a leader down in the trenches working alongside everyone else. Exhibiting a godly life, committed to God's work, and the spread of the gospel. When you see, have you seen people working hard alongside here at the assembly? They're committed, faithful. Yeah, I think of our deacons here. I think of those who are on the, the work list each, each quarter. You know, they're committed. If they weren't committed and those things didn't get done, things would be kind of unorganized, wouldn't it? Things just wouldn't get done. And be disorderly, disorganized, and not a fun place to be at. Commitment is very important. Another is to have insight. You know, Titus would be leading the believers here through uncharted waters. The only roadmap to follow was from the training he'd had from Paul and the leading of the Holy Spirit and through his experiences that he had with Paul. When something unexpected occurred, was thrown into a new scenario, he relied on his training, his past experience, and the knowledge of God's word and the guidance from the Holy Spirit through prayer. It's good to have insight as a leader. Very important. Next is, next quality is to inspire. As Paul inspired Titus to the work of the Lord, he in turn would carry out the same vision with the believers in Crete. Being able to inspire is a great focusing on the future goals, but it is also important to focus on the current issues that plague the Cretans. There is a focus. It's going to encourage the believers to live Christ-like lives, building up the body of believers in Crete and adding to the church through evangelism. Who has inspired you in your life? Is there some leader or a person that's inspired you? I think of each one of us, we look back. You know, there's a couple people that really inspired me in my walk with the Lord. I think of Gene Gibson. Bill McDonald, you know, great leaders who inspired me to walk in faithfulness in the Lord and to continue on to press on, regardless of the obstacles that I'm faced with, is to press on. The other, the last, is to be bold. You know, to be a leader, you can't be afraid. You can't sit there and 
shake in your shoes and be afraid. You've got to move forward and be bold. Titus would confront these false teachers with patience and gentleness. But when there was no positive response, he would take a more direct and decisive direction. Boldness, very important as a leader. And you'll see that as we go through the book of Titus. Well, the messages uh, in Titus, we're going to split up into several messages here. Uh, There's three chapters. The first we're going to look at quickly today is being God's servant. Being God's servant. And the next will be being Christ's church. The next is being faithful with difficult people. The next is being God's people. Being God's employee. Being a people of grace. Being a godly citizen. Being a people of discipline. And lastly, being a people of holy appetites. All right, let's turn to Titus and begin in Titus chapter 1. Everybody turn to Titus chapter 1. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. But in his due time manifested his word through preaching which was committed to me according to the commandment of God, our Savior. To Titus, a true son of our common faith, grace, mercy, peace from God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. So this first section we're going to do is being God's servant. Being God's servant means we're going to be sent for service. Titus was sent for service. There was something for him he's going to be doing. He's going to serve God. Not himself, but he's going to serve God. You know, and and being a servant of God requires you knowing your calling. Knowing your calling. I was thinking about knowing your calling. Uh, Don, I was thinking of you. You know, in your younger days when you had hair and... It wasn't gray, and you were, you, were, uh, you were called to the work of the Lord in the intern program. Then you're done with the intern program. Then you were faced with, okay, what am I going to do now? And then you were involved with the intern program. And then the intern program was coming to a conclusion. And then you were faced, well, what am I going to do now? But one thing I was amazed, and, and I don't want to build you up here, Don, but one of the things that impressed me was the... The, the calling that you had. You always sought God for your calling. You know, you wanted to make sure you were being sent to the right place, that you were doing God's will. And you looked for God's calling in everything you did. That's a good example. That was a good example to me, Don, in, in looking back in reflection. What are we called to? We're sent from God to do something. What were you sent for? Each year in this room, you were sent for something. 
What have you been, how have you been used of the Lord? What are the things you've been sent to do? Just think about that. Well, we, see, we see Paul here, he was a bondservant of God. You know, when you think of a bondservant, you know, Paul emphasized that being a bondservant, that's a strong word, being a bondservant. Being a bondservant is committed to, to Christ. He was, had this personal commitment to Christ. He said, I belong to you, Lord. I belong to no one else, but I belong to you. Yeah, in the Old Testament, a, a servant, bondservant would be, they'd pierce your ear as a, as a bondservant, a slave. You'd be a slave. Well, here, Paul's heart was pierced by Christ himself his work on the cross. Paul saved him and became a servant. And he went out to do the work of the Lord, making himself totally responsible, responsible to and dependent upon the Lord. That's what you see in Paul, a bond servant, committed. Now, it'd be interesting if the Lord just put a servant of God, but he said bond servant, that has some significance. In other words, I belong to you, Christ, and nothing else. All I do is for you. We also see here, too, that Paul was sent by Christ. Yeah, it was just not a figment of his imagination. I'm going to go out and go here and go there, flitter around. But Paul was sent out by Christ. That's important. It shows authority. He was an apostle of Jesus Christ, a divine appointment, confirmation that he had divine authority. Jesus trained him as others for the task of carrying his message to the world. And the followers of Christ have the same calling to be sent for him as part of the great commission given by the Lord. We have a calling to go out and to preach the gospel. That's our calling. The other is sent for others, sent for others. Just notice it says that Paul, a bondservant of God and apostle of Christ, Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect. God's elect was bringing others to the faith in Jesus for salvation and encouraging growth and faith after salvation. That's what we were sent to do. Now just put your name there. What are you called to do? You called to bring forth the gospel message those have not heard? Yeah. Just as it said in, in Matthew, the Great Commission, that we're to make disciples. It's a calling. He's called us to do that. And also to encourage us to see the believers mature in their faith. Not to remain as children all their life, as Paul talked about to the Corinthians. You're still children. I'd wish you'd become a, you know, an adult, mature, but you're still like children. 
but he calls us to grow in the Word of God, to grow in the Word of God. You know, how important is that? I think it's really important. There's a, a visual that I, it's never left me, is we're, we're called to be, you know, believers in Christ. We get saved. And as the Word says, you know, take the pure milk of the Word of God that we may grow by it. It's like a baby, right? You get milk and then you give them solid food and they begin to grow. Um, but there was an illustration, you know, given that was, uh, it's never left my mind, where um, it's centered around maturity. When one gets saved, you're a new babe in Christ. You're a baby in Christ. You haven't matured yet. There's a growing process that occurs. Now, what would it be like if you had a child who was a baby and that baby grew and when that baby was three years old, you were still having to change diapers. That may be normal, still at three. But then at five years old, you're still changing diapers and dressing and feeding them. They're still sitting in a high chair. And then when they get to be 10 years old, you're still dressing them, you're still feeding them, uh, you're still changing their diapers. And then you're 15 years old and you're still sitting in the high chair and they're still being fed by you. They're still having their diapers changed by you. Would that be kind of a gross scene? I mean, it's kind of weird, isn't it? It's weird. When you see it, that's just weird. Well, it's the same way, saints. We're to mature in the Word of God. We're not to remain children, but we're to grow in Christ. And that growth is taking the Word of God in your life, exercising it, and becoming more Christ-like each day that you mature in Christ. So we're sent for others. We're, that's what we should be doing, seeing others grow in their faith, grow in their walk with Christ. That's what we should be doing together. And then it's not just the, the work of a leader or the elder, but it's the work of all of us to encourage one another to love and good works and to see the body grow in Christ. another verse here. Hopefully you're writing some of these verses down to look at later. Now if you look at Acts 17 in the middle, hopefully you can see that. It looks like it's a little bit small. Is it hard for you to read? I just have to make these larger if so, but what I like is what it says in the middle here. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. This will be talking about the Bereans. They searched the scriptures daily. Daily. Searched it out. Searching for the truth. Searching for understanding. Um... For us today, that can happen in, in your encounters with individuals while you're on the, on the street or in the store or at school 
or someone at work comes to you and asks you a question, a spiritual question, something from the Word, something about Christ, something about salvation, or something about how I shall live for Christ, do you have an answer for them? What happens when you are challenged? You say, oh, wow, I, don't, I, 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 I know there's something in God's Word about that, but I can't remember where that is. Do you go home and follow up yourself and check it out, find out what the answer is, and then call that person back? That's searching the word, laying it on our heart, placing it on our hearts so that we don't forget it. So when it does, the situation comes about, we have meat in due season, as it says. We're ready to give a defense for the gospel and for the word of God. And the other thing I like here, too, in this is that we're called out with a hope. And in this particular verse, in verse 2, it's a hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. There's a promise from God. He cannot lie. There's many other hopes that are talked about. The hope of the resurrection. Are you hoping for the resurrection of Christ? Yeah, I hope for it. And he did rise from the dead. And it was fulfilled. Are you hoping that he'll return again? Yeah? Is there a hope that you have that you'll, when you depart from this earth, this earthly life and be with him, that you'll be in glory with him? Is that your hope? Eternal life with him? Yeah, it's a hope that we have. And it's a sure hope, because God cannot lie. It's an interesting story about Steve McQueen. Anybody, everyone knows Steve McQueen? I, I think for some of us older people, we might know Steve McQueen. But he was an actor in Hollywood, and uh, he played in many action-type films, uh, was well-respected in the acting community. But this is a story about Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen was an actor who led a life as tough as those he portrayed on the screen. Success filled his life until alcohol and a failed marriage left him empty. In despair, he attended a crusade led by one of Billy Graham's associates. McQueen made a profession of faith and requested to speak with Billy Graham. A connecting flight in Los Angeles allowed Graham to speak a couple of hours with McQueen in the actor's limousine. The great evangelist shared numerous passages of scripture in his attempt to give spiritual hope and confidence. Steve McQueen struggled with the thought of God's giving eternal life to a man who had such a sinful past. Finally, in Titus 1-2, Steve McQueen found his promised hope. He found his promised hope. But then, later, Steve McQueen had terminal cancer. He was in Mexico being treated for this terminal cancer with a new process. And while he was there, 
he succumbed to cancer. But when they came to him and saw him, his Bible was open to Titus 1-2. And his finger was on Titus 1-2. That was his hope. Now, I never heard that story before. But, boy, it moves me to show what the power of God's word has and the hope that Christ gives to everyone. Can you imagine? You're dying of terminal cancer. You die. You're reading the word, and your finger is right on Titus 1-2 at your death. Is your hope in Christ? If you were to die today, is that your hope today? Where if there's a fear, you don't have that hope, don't wait around to make a decision for Jesus Christ. He offers you the free gift of eternal life. Free gift. He offers to remove all your sin, the penalty for sin, and give you life eternal, the hope in Christ. I'm glad I have that hope. I hope you do too. And in verse 3, Titus 1 3. But it has in due time manifested his word through preaching. Notice that, through preaching. Now, we don't hear that word manifest too much, but you can translate that word manifest to reveal. It was revealed. But it has in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Preaching is important. Preaching is important. If you look at a verse here, Romans 10, 14, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Good question, isn't it? They haven't heard, what are they going to call on? They don't know. <laughs> how are they going to find out? Well, and how, th how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Ah, you might say, well, I don't want to be a preacher. Well, you know what? <laughs> We're all a preacher, really. We bring forth God's word to others that have not heard. We're preaching the word of God. Bringing that truth of salvation to those who have not heard. And then it says, and how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Um, <laughs> I think of happy feet. My feet aren't always happy. They're always sore. But when I read a verse like that, my feet get happy. Your feet happy? If your feet are sore right now, make them happy. 
Go out there and start preaching the gospel. Make those feet of yours happy. Get the gospel out. Because there's people out there waiting to hear. And there will be people out there that will listen. They'll give us some thought. You know, I think I don't see Eric, but I know Eric was sharing at the prayer meeting the other night you know, about him speaking to, to a friend of his and he received Christ. But it's just getting that message out. Be yourself in Christ. You have a wonderful message hidden in this earthen vessel. He wants it to get out. He wants you to get out. So we're called out to leave God's word. And it's revealed by those who know his word and we're challenged to rightly divide it, bringing it with truth, bringing it with honesty, bringing it with conviction, commitment. Have you noticed the difference when you're living a godly life and people see that godly life and then you share the gospel with them? Are there, do you have an ear when you're living the life? You not only preach it, but you live it. You know, Paul talks about that, or James talks about it, you know. You hear the word and you do the word. You hear it and do it. Boy, when you see somebody living godly lives, you will get their ear when you preach the word. The other thing here I was impressed with is knowing your audience. You know, when, when Paul called out Titus to go to Crete, he knew he was calling out the right person. He was calling out the right man to be sent to Crete because he knew of Titus's conviction, his commitment, his knowledge of the word, and the things he had done with Paul on his missionary journeys. So Paul knew who he was counting on to continue the work in Crete. And that's something we do here too, is looking at who can be counted on, who can take on the work of the Lord in this assembly. And when we talk to others, too, we need to know our audience. You know, there's often times that just as Christ, Christ was confronted with a different audience. There's, there be people out there that don't believe. There'll be people who will believe. And then there'll be the fence sitters. You'll see that throughout scripture, three groups of people, three different audiences out there. It's important, too, that you, as, as a believer in Christ, to know your audience. Know who they are. Know what group they are in. It's important to know that if they're unsaved, did you bring this hope of salvation to their ears that they might hear it and they might be saved? You know, you might hear, well, you can't judge a person whether or not they're saved. Well, the Lord says you're to test the spirits to see if they're of salvation. <laughs> We're to test the spirits. 
We should know where an individual is by their knowledge of the gospel and also by their lives. You see, 1 John, 1 John is a very clear indicator as to the tests of salvation. Use it to make sure that people know the truth. The other audience is the saved. Who is the saved? You know who the saved are most times. I like the beginning of the meeting where there's an event here going out called Feed My Sheep. And I love that because the Lord talked about that to his disciples. Go and feed my sheep. Go and feed my sheep. That's what we are to do too. We're to feed the sheep. And just like sheep, do sheep get hungry, Angelo? You know, you had sheep. Yeah, you bring them food. They're hungry. Well, the saints are hungry too. The saints will always be hungry. The saints will never be full, but they will get hungry. But be ready to feed the sheep. Make yourself available and be aware of where people are. If there's a, if there's a, a place in one's life that they need encouragement or need building up, that's the time to go feed the sheep. And that's certainly what Titus was going to be charged with, is to bring sound doctrine to this Isle of Crete, to see the saints built up, to see leaders raised up, to see it well organized, and to see it achieve what God has called Paul and Titus to do on the island of Crete. Now, I didn't tell you the result of the story of my time at Safeway with this new group. I had 20 people in this particular group. And after about a 12 months, we successfully got it organized. We removed all the ill feelings, all the disappointments, and we became a very successful group and nothing to do I'm not going to say I did it, but the group became one of the best groups there because they were finally worked together. We got it accomplished. But it took determination, commitment, honesty, insight, boldness, all those things I shared about a leader. It took all those things to see it excel. Same thing here with Titus. He was going to have to demonstrate wisdom, leadership, boldness for Christ, and live a godly life himself in order to be successful. And we, too, were challenged for that in our daily lives, to be successful in Christ, to be committed to him. So this is the first of, of many uh, discussions in Titus, and hopefully... You'll be challenged to um, be like Titus yourself and to go out, proclaim the gospel, see people one for Christ.
and see the saints built up in their most holy faith and to be sound in doctrine. There's nothing greater than to see the saints sound in doctrine to refute the errors that they hear in the world today. If there's any more urgency today, it's today to know the word of God and to refute the untruths that you hear. You see it in the, in the newspaper, you see it on TV, you hear it on the radio. Are you ready to give a defense of the word? Let's pray. Father, we again thank you for this book of Titus. We get to see the insights of Paul. We get to see how Titus was used of you in the island of Crete. Lord, even amongst the immorality, the lying, the distrust, the dishonesty, the corruption that took place on this small island, Lord, you receive the glory. And may it be our ambition, Lord, to be like Titus. May we be sound in the word. May we live godly lives according to the word that is in our heart. May we give honor to you, Lord, through our lives, so that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ would be honored daily, wherever we might be, and then people would come to know you. And we do pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.